At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, Confidants. Um, just before we start this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode with the Pleasure Collective was recorded a few weeks ago. Um, so in the beginning, you're going to hear us coincidentally talking about the Roe v. Wade leak, um, which then we saw subsequently turned into the overturning um, just this past week. And so just for context, that's why we are talking about it in that sort of tense. But I think the information still is really relevant and useful. Um, I'm also dealing with a little bit of a cold. Um, it's a sinus infection turned into bronchitis. I've been testing for COVID every single day for over a week now and on PCRs and rapids. I just can't get through this nasty thing. And I've got Hippo, the foster dog with me, who is breathing very intently in the background. Would you like to breathe into this? Okay, thank you, sir. Okay, confidants, enjoy this episode. Hello, confidants. My pleasurable, collected, community, trauma-informed, safe Based confidants, welcome to Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we're absolutely sure we don't know everything. I am your host, Kelsey Dara, and this week, ooh, ooh, get your blankies, get your cozy mugs, get in the safe, soft space, because we are talking to our guests this week who are therapists, sex educators, who also just happen to be best friends. We love that, besties. We uh, They have built a community to heal sexual traumas called The Pleasure Collective. They also host a ton of different really like niche-specific cute workshops, often on via Zoom, so you guys are going to get tons of information on their workshops coming up. I want to see all y'all beautiful faces there. This week, we welcome to the podcast Anya Like Lasagna and Hannah Like Banana. Ah, your official government names. <laughs> Yay, I love yeah, it. That's on my driver's license. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. Uh, I want to dive all into the Pleasure Collective itself, obviously, and the community you guys have built. But before we do that, I just feel like I got to talk to, I got two therapists here, two trauma-informed therapists. I want to use my resources while I got them to talk just about briefly what's been happening across our country with this abortion ban. Um, you know, from the Supreme Court hearing to the shit that's happening in Oklahoma that's been happening in Texas. Um, you know, even the crazy conversations around people who have embryos on ice at fertility clinics and people that might get their IUDs pulled because it's now considered a form of um, intercepting interceptive. What the fuck is going on, you guys? This feels like a a uh, anticipatory trauma, and I'm just trying to navigate like where and how we should all be feeling and dealing right now. Yeah. Um, so for everybody who's 
Okay, classic trauma therapist move. Can we just like take a breath? <laughs> yes, please. You want to lead us? Um, I have just like noticed that when I am talking about reproductive health, when I am talking about you know, the state of the world, I forget to breathe and I find myself breathing really shallowly. And so maybe this is self-serving, but let's just like inhale through our noses and fill up our bellies with air and just like sigh that shit out. Like let it go because it's hard to be a person, especially a person with a uterus right now or a person who loves people who have uteruses. Um, so, yeah. Um, where to I think, start? I, I guess my question is, like, there feel, there, there's a rare opportunity here where we got this insight into what the world might look like. You know, we've got a lot of pre-warning, mm-hmm. but even with that, it doesn't feel like we have, we can stop much. It doesn't feel like the power is in the hands of us. It feels so bigger and out of our reach but yet people are still protesting people are still making noise we're still actively trying to stop this thing and it feels like another trauma on top of another like already global trauma right like we just went through the pandemic and it's like we're not getting Mm -hmm. a breath and when we're talking about like reproductive rights and (laughs) yeah ironically we just took that nice beautiful breath is there (laughs) something to a healthy way to cope with this anticipatory nerves and anger. Yeah. Okay. So, um, totally hear you on those feelings of powerlessness, right? We are not like, we're kind of stuck and that's a really shitty feeling and it's a really scary feeling. I can swear, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay, that's what I thought, but then I just had a moment. Um, I think one of the first things for me, and this is, you know, as a white person with, like, this little bit of disposable income, is, like, looking at places locally that are providing abortion care and also are providing transportation for people who have to go out of state to access abortion. So um, I live in Colorado, which means that all of, all of the states surrounding Colorado have trigger laws, except for New Mexico. So in the event that Rose actually overturned, abortion will become illegal in Texas and Oklahoma, in Wyoming, I think in Kansas. Um, but what that means is that Colorado is about to get a flood of people seeking reproductive health care, seeking abortion specifically. Um, and so a great way for folks to help or offer support to folks who will be getting abortions because it's still going to happen is donating money to local abortion funds um, instead of big places like Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, a lot of that, like it's great. They do a lot of really important work. They provide a lot of really important abortions, but places like locally um, that offer transportation costs, support, and things like that are going to be the most important places that we can put our dollars right now. Um, So that's like a tangible thing. It also doesn't necessarily make anybody feel better. (laughs) Monetarily. Um, It's a drop in the bucket. Right. Um, I think the other thing is 
really surrounding ourselves in community that's going to affirm our own existence and the fact that like we get to choose mm-hmm. what to how to treat our bodies when to become parents when not to become parents um so that might mean seeking out a therapist it might mean surrounding your like curating your social media mm-hmm. So that the people in your social media feeds are affirming and validating of your lived experience and of your bodily autonomy. Um, It might mean setting some really rough, rigid boundaries with folks. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are okay and encouraged. And like that, those are things that Anya and I talk about all the time. So we'll probably discuss them more later. Um, But the other thing that I think is really important to keep in mind is that Um, The way that we talk about this really, really, like, God, white people are really good at telling on ourselves right now. Um, Really, really good at showing our privilege and externalizing this problem. So, um, and maybe this is just like a hill I'll die on because I can't get through to my father about this. But, like, stop comparing it to The Handmaid's Tale, dude. Um. We are erasing lived experiences of black and brown and indigenous people in our communities when we fictionalize this story because that that's what the reality is. And so I think it's really important that in addition to like supporting each other and taking care of ourselves, we also just really need to be mindful of how we talk about reproductive health. Um, don't fictionalize it. Don't like put it in a box where it's just women who are getting abortions, mm-hmm. right? It's really important that our most marginalized community members know that our abortion advocacy, our reproductive justice includes mm. them. Beautifully said. Anya, anything you want to add? Well, I think what's hitting me so much and uh, it is what's coming to light is like sex is supposed to be uh, it you know only serves one purpose mm-hmm. um and it is not for pleasure mm-hmm. um and it is only for procreation and that is uh kind of how pleasure collective started and we might get into that no, later, that was such like, a beautiful segue keep going oh lovely <laughs> what way to go on yeah thank you totally planned that out um was well hannah and i were noticing that like through our work with domestic violence and interpersonal violence survivors and through our own trauma healing journey, like sex was shied away from. Like it was only, you were only deserving of sex or you were only supposed to be having sex if like you had maybe gone through these other trauma healing um, steps or you were this, this far in your healing journey, which to us seemed like such a huge disservice. Mm. Because it completely disregards, like, the weapon that was, like, used against survivors. Mm. And, like, sex and sexuality is also such, like, a, a huge focal point of um, somebody's existence and being. And so now we're also seeing that with with these laws and, and having, you know, Roe possibly being overturned. Um, like, if you don't want to get pregnant, just don't have sex. Like, <laughs> don't like that it's just not realistic (laughs) it's not realistic (laughs) and it doesn't like speak to um just like what what sex is um and it continues to 
put put pleasure and um, erotic energy or or just like happiness in uh, or to to uh, create barriers around these things mm-hmm. um, and make them completely inaccessible. Right. I could see too how it could be off. Uh, it could make people with uteruses even fear sex in these areas mm-hmm. that it could close off a way totally. that you know you're taught you know have safe sex in school or you know you're told by your religion or your family but to be told by like lawmakers that potentially like IUDs would actually be I don't know what the right term is I might be overstating but like outlawed where where that's actually interfering with fertilization Mm -hmm. in the state of Oklahoma which is where they're saying now life begins which like Jesus fucking Christ uh that to me is like (laughs) a a trauma in a way that I can't I have a problem with authority I'll just say it I have a big old problem with authority (laughs) we do too yeah. Like, Welcome to the yeah. club. Way, like I'm so <laughs> grateful and very privileged. I've never been arrested because I think I would like, I think I would be physically violent with someone if, you know, mm-hmm. like an authoritative figure tried to, you know, handle my body in any way. And it, it feels mm-hmm. like this is a version of that, that feels so powerless. Um, and I think that perfectly connects with a lot of what the work you guys do with pleasure collective which is healing from trauma specifically sexual trauma so do you guys want to give a little bit more background on how this came to be what it so beautifully is sure um (laughs) i'll give you the the background of of our friendship too this is a story that normally hannah loves to tell but i'm gonna tell from my perspective this time i know i was really excited so so Anya sent, we, when you sent us the questions, Anya like sent them, put them in a Google Doc and we have like, you know, we broke them down into who does what and the roles are reversed this time. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited yeah, to listen. from a new perspective, from a new point of view. Okay, so. It's a horror movie this. instead of a rom-com. It's been like told <laughs> one way. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, Hannah and I went to grad school together. And I was in the process of like looking for a new internship and Hannah comes up to me and basically says, you should intern with me. I think you're great. I think you're really smart. At least that's how, what I remember her saying. Um, <laughs> and I've like already recommended you to my supervisor. And like, mind you, at this point, like Hannah and I had maybe had a few classes We'd together. We had one class yeah. together. Like we had never had a conversation. So I, and I was also like, you know, quite intimidated by her. So I was uh, very shocked that she was like even talking to me, Aww. let alone saying like such nice things to me. Aww, <laughs> we love that. I know, isn't that so cute? Yes, um, I didn't know you were intimidated by me. You You're so smart. Information comes to life. <laughs> Uh, so, so then of course we did end up interning together and becoming the best of friends. Um, and, and part of our like final research project involved doing a program evaluation, um, of, uh, uh, like from about some program within our internship. So we thought might as well make it extra difficult on ourselves and create like a whole new program to evaluate. Cause why not? We're not in grad school and super busy and super stressed or anything. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. Um, so that's when 
we were like evaluating like the work that we were doing with um, um, coaching healthy relationship skills and being uh, interpersonal violence advocates and counselors and like looking at curriculum. Um, and what we noticed that was missing was talking about like sex and, and pleasure and sexuality, um, which is, you know, like everybody said, like such a, 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 a huge part of somebody's existence so why would we dismiss that or say that like it's you can only have sex at this point in your healing journey Mm. um so we decided to create a curriculum that focused on using one's relationship with sex and with their sexuality as a tool make it the focal point of their trauma healing journey Mm. um so that is how like our first workshop was created um and by doing that we realized well when we work like very well together um and we want to do this for the rest of our lives so that is how pleasure collective was first started um and since then we have also created workshops around um, healthy sexual communication and helping loved ones support survivors and uh, most recently like maximizing pleasure within relationships mm. Mm, I love that and I have to ask because mm-hmm. you guys are like me where you have no problem talking about pussies on the internet or like sex oh that's my favorite thing like, to do when you google my name a vagina just pops up you know what I mean like <laughs> I, and I think so- Oh, my God. I hope to be like that one day. <laughs> well, I think you might, uh, depending so, on how this podcast goes. That might be like a I, thumbnail that pops up. That's <laughs> my life goal. Yes. <laughs> when I was in the... <laughs> when I was in the Peace Corps, and I was Casual, teaching sex ed. when I was in the um, Peace Corps. <laughs> which is... Uh, I mean, don't do it. Um, zero out of ten recommend. Anyway, um... <laughs> But I was teaching sex ed and I went to like the training center to teach the new cohort of volunteers about teaching sex ed. And this person put me in their phone as Hannah sex girl. Yep. And I am still to this day in their phone as Hannah sex girl. I see it as like a a title, you know, like how the queen can anoint certain (laughs) people as knights. Like I feel very lucky to have that uh, (laughs) transparency and, you know, I wouldn't even say confidence because sometimes even, you know, we all falter in our own self healing and whatever. But I, I feel like some people, a lot of DMS I get are like, I wish I could talk about sex as openly as you do, whether it be with my partner or my friends. And I don't know where the fuck I got this from because I was raised pretty religiously. I think it's probably my very Mm -hmm. liberal mother, but even her and I, you know, once the floodgates did open, we were very conversational about sex, but I don't remember it necessarily being something that was so available to chat about. And I, I wonder what your guys's um, advice is for a lot of listeners who just want to be able to own that piece of their dialogue more confidently. Talk to your friends, talk to your friends about pleasure. Um, like we think like group yeah, like, chat your, polls not, like, or like Instagram stories. Like what are we thinking? <laughs> Brunch conversation. Um, all of the above. Right. If that feels comfy, if like talking about it in a virtual setting feels easier, right. To like build comfort, comfort and like familiarity with the language. 
do in the group chat. If talking about it at brunch is like a fun thing, talk about it at brunch. Um, but practicing using that language in spaces where you already feel safe is a huge, like it's going to make those words easier to say in general, right? Anya and I can talk about pussies and pleasure and everything in between all the time, every day, pretty much like irrespective of who is around. (laughs) Um, But that comes with a lot of practice. That comes with a lot of um, just like saying the words, right? But we can't say the words if we don't have them yet. So it's also about learning that language and giving yourself permission to be curious and explore in ways that like just make make it commonplace for you to hear things here to hear conversations about pleasure to hear conversations about likes and dislikes about body parts and the more every day it becomes the less mm. scary it is to say those mm, words I love that let's dive into a big expansive word that I saw you guys posting content about recently which is gender confirming or gender affirming sex and what is that and why do we all deserve it well um Anya do you want what word uh, These weren't on the Google Doc. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, we, I thought that was your question. We I add stuff. So, oh. so Hannah, our lovely producer, usually That's gives okay. like a general outline, and then I go through all your stuff, and I'm like, wait, this is interesting. Ooh, I see this. <laughs> I don't see this often places, which is again, everyone should pause this and go follow okay. Pleasure Collective because they talk about stuff that you're not going to see on other sex education <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, social media. Yeah, come hang out with us. Okay, those your posts so, too, Hannah. So, uh, yeah, go for it. So gender affirming sex, um, basically, so this is the idea of gender affirming sex is that we are divesting from the idea that sex is a thing that happens between a man who has a penis and a woman who has a vulva, right? We know that there is, there are 87,000 different combinations of how we can present and identify and like live in our bodies, And we want sex to be accessible to people who maybe don't fall into those Mm -hmm. cis-het categories. Um, And we want to encourage people to embrace the fact that they don't fall into those cis-het categories. Um, And so what that might mean for somebody is to interrogate you know, ask themselves what, what language feels comfy. Is it okay if I use the word pussy to describe your vulva? Or is there another word? Can I talk about your breasts or do we need to say chest? Can we like, are there parts of your body that are safe to touch? Are there parts of your body that are off limits that we might think are like traditionally like, okay, things to touch during sex. Um, And really where this, this comes down to really thoughtful, really open, really honest communication. And so if we are having gender affirming sex, it means that we're factoring in that the person we're having sex with might not experience gender in the same way that we do. Or that the way that they experience gender might mean that they have different boundaries or different likes or different dislikes. And that all of that is like worth celebrating worth listening to and worth getting curious about and worth having conversations with our sex partners so that we can have sex that feels in alignment with our 
lived experience. Mm, I love that. And I think that that's so important for like the generations right now who do feel the most like confident and exploratory of the language and are the ones like pioneering it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also totally. important for like every human to do as well. Like even if you are like having like cis hat sex, like expanding the definition of what sex is just really opens up so many possibilities for joy and, and pleasure and ecstasy. Mm. I said this to my partner the yeah. other day, just like offhandedly. I was like, I'm not having sex with your penis. I'm having sex with your soul. Like, that's why I, like, the mm, penis mm-hmm. is only, like. Yeah. I, I was about to say tiny part of it, but then I realized how that would sound. <laughs> and he's not even to defend himself. So, uh, but, like, it really is. <laughs> now I can't not say it. It's, like, the experience <laughs> is so much bigger than two genitalia that we have been conditioned to believe exactly and i guess like my question to follow up that uh such a gorgeous explanation is like what beyond like imagination could we give advice to people who want to explore like gender affirming sex or want to kind of even just open that up for themselves like wait a minute I've always had boobs so therefore I've always felt like people should be able to touch boobs because that's part of like sexual experience and what if they're just hearing this and realizing like wait a minute what would that be like to take it out of the equation and how can we how can we put that idea into like physical practice like what do we think that that looks like so there are a couple of really phenomenal like templates um some of our favorite resources. One is Scarlet Teen. So Scarlet Teen is like a sexual health resource that's geared toward teenagers. But most of our sexual, I would say like most people when we're talking about sex, we talk about sex like seventh graders because that's where our sex ed began and ended. Um, So letting ourselves be childlike about this and like have it be a little bit fun and a little bit like a little bit worksheety and and kind of template-y I think would be really helpful. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But Scarlet Teen has a really great, they have a really thorough yes, no, maybe list that includes gender stuff. Um, I love a yes, no, maybe list because it takes a lot of the pressure off of the person to come up with the yeses, the nos, and the maybes. Mm -hmm. And we just have to check boxes that say yes, no, Mm -hmm. or maybe. Um, And so in the Scarlet Teen uh, yes, no, maybe list. It has like a list of body parts and it's like, yes, it's okay to touch. No, it's not okay. Or maybe like check in every Uh time. And so we can talk about body parts. There's examples of names of body parts. Do you like to hear this? Do you not like to hear this? Right? Like some people feel really empowered when they refer to their vulva as a cunt, right? For some people that's like, (laughs) fuck yeah. Some people that makes them want to crawl inside their own skin and like never be perceived again. Right. And so having these conversation starters and having these templates, I think is a really helpful tool in making sure again, that like your, the sex that you're having is within your comfort Mm. zone, within your like window of safety. Mm, I think. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, 
effortlessly chic year after year. Like uh, premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs. Washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like, I can dress them up, I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my god. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order in 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? (laughs) You are talking to two sober Sally's. You know Zach and I love to drink recess zero-proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, and it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences like we get so in our heads about this stuff you know like we we forget that there's literally workshops you know like what you guys do or spaces (laughs) that can totally implement it otherwise it's just swirling around in these freaking meat meat sacks all day Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and I don't I think that a lot of us as adults think that it's you know cheating or a cop-out to rely on something like a worksheet or a template. Mm. But again, if we think about the fact that our our education, our toolkit on sexual communication, on sex and pleasure in general, is for the most time, most of the time, pretty lackluster. So relying on something like a worksheet or a template as this is becoming familiar to you, as you're like integrating it into your vocabulary and like into the way that you think is a great tool to again take some of that pressure off and not have to hold so much in your brain all the time anya lasagna were you gonna add anything to that i i was just gonna add um adding to the i mean like a yes no maybe less is uh, mostly used in a sexual context Mm -hmm. and i would add like when it comes to uh, names of body parts that you are comfortable with like what is that also outside of a sexual context and are those different like uh mm-hmm. like using the word pussy in a sexual context might feel completely different than outside of a sexual mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. dang yeah i've made too many assumptions about the word cunt for sure like i for sure thought <laughs> everyone was like yes to cunt and i tried to name one of my group chats with um myself uh lord diy and 
um, mm-hmm. Zach Kornfeld and Maggie. Uh, yes. Cutie, Love them all. Cutie cunts. And Lauren <laughs> was like, absolutely not. Nope. No. And I was like, what? I was so shocked. So I think we ended up on like coochie cuties or something. I don't know. I also, I don't know why Zach is, whatever. Moving on. Um. Okay. <laughs> why is in that group? He's just, he, he gets um, so what are you guys seeing is like the conversation around pleasure that is plaguing our generation the most? Hmm. Capitalism. Ooh, what? Speak on it. Exactly. Excuse me? I <laughs> I mean, like, isn't it all back to capital? Like, I feel like I mean, it all... yeah, it always is. It always like, is. Yes, always. <laughs> Go on. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, so, like, if you think about, like, uh, capitalism and how, uh, how, you know, how that interferes in other contexts, like, work... Um, like you are always supposed to be productive. You're only valuable or worthy if you are doing these such things or doing a hundred percent. You are like your purpose is to serve other people. Um, I see what joy you're and, going and with happiness it. <laughs> and pleasure like does not matter unless you deserve it mm. or like, you have worked for it. Um, it is not something that is like um, a right, <laughs> like a right. Yes. <laughs> um so i but like that's one of my favorite ways of like protesting and rioting capitalism is by like saying no to all of those things and prioritizing my own needs prioritizing my pleasure Mm. not doing things a hundred percent not giving things my all because my mental health is more important than that Mm. um and um that's yeah. pretty powerful when you put it that mm-hmm. way. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. masturbating is a revolution? Like, <laughs> It is, okay? Yeah, I've been doing it so casually since I could use my hands. I just, I, I didn't realize that that was, I, I feel very lucky, I guess. I feel very, like, mm-hmm. lucky that, um, I don't know, I can come a lot. I don't know. That's that's a very privileged thing to say, <laughs> but I, I realize that that's, like, a huge thing. Like, that is, mm-hmm. I do feel very lucky, um, in a lot of ways, um, sexually. So what kind mm-hmm. of advice do you give like uh, your, your followers or your listeners or your watchers about kind of working through taking down capitalism through pleasure? <laughs> Focusing on joy and pleasure, baby. And like bring it, bringing it down, bringing it back down to those basics. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I think it's Emily Nagoski who, who has like the saying of like, pleasure is the measure like it's not about like how many partners you have or how many times you orgasm or how hard you are or how wet you are pleasure is the measure mm. um and so being able to maybe at the end of the day like uh, reflect on how often you experience pleasure mm. and like how can you incorporate those things more into your life and that doesn't have to be like anything sexual related that's like hey i want to have a dance party in the morning to get ready for my day i want to make sure that i'm listening to um like music instead of like the news in the morning these are my things um <laughs> you know no, just off the top of my head <laughs> um you know as i was getting ready uh, to record this you know uh doing some dancing, taking my time, getting ready, making sure I had all my drinks in order. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
I'm someone who at the end of the day has like six different cups in my eye. It's like I'm hydrated. My pee is crystal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh, go ahead, Hannah. No, it's all you. Oh, I was just going to wrap that up by saying focus on the little things um, and incorporate them more into your life. Yeah, like thinking about what feels good in our bodies, whether that's sexual or not, um, is something that capitalism has kind of forced Mm. out of us, right? It says you don't get to feel good until you've done all your work, until everybody is satisfied, especially people who are socialized as women, Mm -hmm. right? Because our job is to take care of everybody else. And then if we have anything left over, we get the crumbs. Mm. Um, And we don't, we deserve more than crumbs. Yeah, we deserve a whole ass cake. Buy yourself flowers. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> the goddamn yeah. cake. But make yourself a cake. Don't tell me. Make, ha, this is like, yes, you can have your cake and eat it too, okay? Um, yeah, I mean, like. The idea you just, that. You made me think about, like, is there such an. Uh, actually, I know this is true because, Hannah, I saw you doing a video about it. But, like, is there such a thing as, like, the overindulgence of the healing of trauma and I saw something that you had said totally like well you can say it better if you want to but it was something about like (laughs) healing through the healing past the point to into intellectualization isn't actually healing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um my Lord and Savior, Adrian Marie Brown (laughs) um (laughs) talks a lot about the importance of moderation Mm. and when I think for a lot of us, when we hear moderation, that like comes w- with like the shackles of diet culture, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what this is. Um, when we talk about moderation, it's saying like we need balance in our lives so that we have time for every to appreciate mm-hmm. everything. So if we are going to therapy and we're doing the work and we're reading the self help books and we're not giving ourselves a chance to sit back and reflect mm-hmm. on all the work that we've done, then or we're not giving ourselves a chance to like notice how it feels to have done all this work Mm. then we're not healing in moderation Mm. right we're just like aggressively pursuing healing and it's probably not going to be as effective i'm writing that down we talk about pleasure the necessity of moderation when it comes to pleasure if you're having like 27 orgasms every day right eventually right that's a lot i don't know if that's what you're doing like good for you but also I need an ice pack just thinking about that. Um, it seems like interruptive. Like um, not much uh, like time to do anything. Yeah. Right. It's right. not actually pleasurable. Exactly. Mm. It's not actually pleasurable. It starts to become work. It starts to become an obligation. And so if we think about, okay, pleasure happens in moderation. Healing happens in moderation. Work, the work that we do, like our nine to fives or whatever the hell our days are, that also happens in moderation and that's important because it gives us a chance to have some kind of appreciation or some kind of perspective on all of the other parts. Um, But yeah, Yeah. I think it's also really hard because right now the way that social media is, is you can, I can't open, like my TikTok algorithm has been taken Mm -hmm. over by Mm -hmm. therapists and people being like, here's an ADHD hack. And I'm like, dude, I pay somebody to help me yeah. with this on a regular yeah. basis. I want to see cute yes, dogs. That's why I'm here. How did this happen? <laughs> I want to see cute dogs and hot yes. people. Just want to see hippo. Yes. 
want is more hippo. <laughs> All I want is hippo. Honestly, I think I love dogs. And now, whether I like it or not. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm jealous, so honestly. I've learned here we but, have to practice um, balance because if it's just too much mm-hmm. pleasure, then it's not pleasurable. It's not pleasurable. Yeah, you might get right. hippo. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, very unlikely, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't. <laughs> But I have moderation because I don't live with hippo. There you go. So it's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's such a good way of putting it, too, with just, like, uh, I think a big question that I get a lot whenever I do put out to the confidants, like, what kind of questions do you have um, for, like, our sex educator this week is about sex drive, too, and mm. how, like – even with cishet relationships is different from like queer relationships are different from marginalized body relationships. Like it feels like also with the pandemic, everything got out of norm. Um, Not that Mm -hmm. there is a norm, but can you maybe speak to also just like how, and I think this was one of the questions, like how intimacy has even changed just now that we're more inclusive of pleasure and talking about pleasure yeah um (coughs) excuse me no worries um so I think that like yes we are we are reevaluating like pleasure and um intimacy uh especially you know the past couple years through this pandemic yeah like sex quote unquote drives, um, have changed and what gives you pleasure now might be different than what has given you pleasure like in the past. Like a big thing that I noticed that changed for me was like beforehand, I could watch Netflix all day and I was satisfied. (laughs) Now I can do like one hour and then I'm going to be drained. (laughs) Um, so again, like moderation, balance, um, do the things that give you pleasure and notice and practice mindfulness. And if they're no longer giving you pleasure, then change activities. Mm. Um, so then when that comes to like intimacy too, like we talked about, like redefining what sex means and making that more inclusive, like that also can be done with intimacy as well. Um, like intimacy can really mean anything and be anything. It doesn't have to be like anything sexual. And I think what, um, you know, a lot of couples struggle with, like they, they, you know, they want to increase their, uh, sexual arousal and desire, but really what they're wanting is, is more intimacy and intimacy is going to then lead to those two things. What is not going to lead to an increase in arousal and desire is, uh, figuring out why you are not experiencing the level of arousal and desire that you are now and comparing it to what you used to experience. It's so unhealthy. (laughs) Like, oh yeah. Like, the the comparing the constant comparing like you have to be able to like just acknowledge and meet yourself where you are now and and figure out a way to meet those needs not the needs that you had in the past mm. like those those are in the past we're here now mm. um so yeah redefining intimacy like that to me means like um building uh creating more moments of like connection and and vulnerability and finding ways of feeling safe enough to be my most authentic self which is you know for me a a 
child frolicking in a meadow. Like that, that is what I want to feel um, every moment uh, of the day and within every relationship. Like I want to be that child. (laughs) And I want to experience joy and pleasure in every moment. Um, And being in, in a relationship where you feel that intimacy, when you feel truly seen and understood and accepted, like that can be way, way scarier to survivors than any act of sex. Mm. Um, and like, if that is what intimacy feels like for you, like focus on what brings you safety instead. Mm. Um, and, you know, safety is subjective, right? Like that's going to be different for everybody to define. Mm. Um, and, and then you also have to be able to communicate that as well um and communicating it as like uh specifically like as you can is, is gonna be like mm. you know essential for actually receiving the kind of safety um and, and intimacy and sex that you are wanting mm. um so figuring out what exactly that that looks like to you um and being able to to communicate that um I honestly don't remember what your question was in earnest, <laughs> no, but I, I even answered it. I was following you down the road. Bro. I was just like, yes, yes. I was yes-anding it. You answered the shit out of it. I, I want to ask, like, a complex question, and it, this wasn't mm-hmm. on the Google Doc, so feel free whoever wants to take it. But I'm going to give you, like, a scenario that I see happen often that comes up with, like, you know, friendships or life or group chats or, you know, the girls' nights or whatever, where – let's say a trauma happens in a relationship. It doesn't necessarily need to be like a sexual uh, trauma between the two, but it's a life change, um, a death in the family, a, um, a mistrust, a, a infidelity. Like it's, it's something that affects one person more heavily than the other. And mm-hmm. they can communicate like, hey, you know, this trauma is affecting me right now where I don't feel like, you know, connected to you or, you know, intimate. And um, it's on, it's a little bit on, is it safe to say, like, can that hurt and harm be on other people? Or is it up to us to it, I've gone way too comp- convoluted with this question, but like, when the, w- is it possible? I I think I'm picking up okay, what you're putting pick down. Pick it up though. and carry it home, please, because I went <laughs> way weird. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna put this into the context okay, of the okay. pandemic, because the pandemic is like a collective trauma that is impacting all of us in a lot of different ways. Um, on any given day, I might be like really in my pandemic feelings, right? I might have, um, you know, my best friend's birthday is this week and her roommates just tested positive for COVID. And she doesn't, this is the third year in a row that she doesn't get to celebrate her birthday. And it just like really sucks and it's really heartbreaking and she's like quarantined and it's shitty, right? So that, like, the trauma of existing in a pandemic is going to impact every single person in a different way where I, what I'm kind of hearing is like, your question is how does the responsibility fall in terms of like managing that and managing expectations? Yeah. And I, was I following yeah, and that correctly? Like, what if the, okay. the partner so, or the per like the person you're with 
isn't receptive to what you're communicating mm. or or you can't share it or you don't feel comfortable sharing it like when when is it time to like say this is unhealthy and I've been dealing with gotcha. me okay. and my things and trauma for too long and it's it's not being received like where's the time that we go like okay this isn't like a bad thing it's just not no one's moving forward in our healing right right I think that that is a question that really involves like those are those are the questions that pay my bills (laughs) if I'm being perfectly honest like those are the questions that bring people into therapy and say hey like this is how I feel. What part's my responsibility? What's part someone else's res- mm. someone else's responsibility? In relationships, like okay, in my partnership, I'm a sexual violence survivor, and where my responsibility is in communicating how that impacts my relationship with my partner is, I can communicate and say, hey, this doesn't feel safe for X, Y, and Z reasons, and it's on my partner to respect that. If I am like, you know, asking my partner to make accommodations that are outside of a boundary, if I'm asking him to make accommodations that don't feel safe for him, that like are, you know, impacting both of us in certain ways, like that's when we get to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's when we get to talk about this is, we call this relational accountability. So every time I enter a relationship romantic or otherwise I bring my whole bubble of my life experiences and my trauma and my worldview and my this and my that and that other person also brings their bubble and the challenge is to figure out what is exists in the Venn diagram of those bubbles and so if what I'm asking to put in the Venn diagram say like okay I need you to I can't, you can't sneak up on me in the kitchen because yeah. it's triggering for uh, me. Check. Right? Box for um, too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. <laughs> um, like if I, if I have my headphones in, you can't like tap me on the shoulder because I'm gonna mm-hmm. freak out, right? That's an accommodation that I'm asking for. That's what's pretty reasonable. But if I was going to say, hey, um, I'm feeling kind of jumpy, I need you to always do all of the grocery shopping mm-hmm. and I am just going to like stay home and I'm going to like ask you to do things that are, you know, maybe out of reason. I don't know. I couldn't think <laughs> of a good example. Um, realistically, we always get to have these conversations. We don't have to decide right away. I feel like now I'm the one who's getting lost. No, it's, it's, Um, you nailed it though. Like it's complex (laughs) and it's, it is, it's it's complex. When you're someone in a partnership, it's like a two party system. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. like there is only so much that we can do on our part as communicators and hope that it's received or that someone's willing to grow with us through that, you know, self-awareness or, and, and I think the impor- a really important thing to keep in mind is that if somebody isn't willing to meet that, like if someone isn't willing to, you know, make an accommodation that we really need, it's not inherently personal, mm-hmm. right? It might be that that person is unable to meet your needs and, and that's not about you. It's about, I can't, I don't have the capacity for that mm-hmm. right now. 
Um, and I think that's where a lot of people, especially in like romantic partnerships, especially right now, because the time that we spend with our partners has just like skyrocketed, especially if we live with them. (laughs) Um, so that's where maybe it can be helpful to implement something like a a standing weekly check-in to say, Hey, what's working? What's not working? What feels good? What was something I did this week that made you feel really supported Mm -hmm. and held? What's something that happened this week that made you feel kind of icky? What can we do better next time? And if those things like check-ins and, you know, having those intentional conversations isn't enough, then that's a really great reason to seek out a therapist, Mm. right? To say, hey, we want to make this work, but we're having trouble building the systems that work for us. Maybe it's time to outsource that. Maybe it's time to add somebody to our care team so that they can help us build the system. So again, that that's not all on mm. us. It, it sounds so like o- it's obvious to me because I've been in therapy and couples therapy for so but long. But it's not. But that's really not, like that's not a language a lot of people have and use. And mm-hmm. I think that that's so important to reiterate right. and like sh- just platform and showcase. And that's what mm-hmm. you guys are doing. Yeah. And it's also like uh, the partner's responsibility that like when a need is communicated that you check in with yourself and you acknowledge Mm -hmm. how much you are able to give and provide Mm -hmm. in that moment. Like, yeah, like I want to be there. I want to listen. I don't have all the spoons for that Mm -hmm. right now, but here's what I can do. Here's how I can support you. I can go get you flowers or I can like order you food or I can rub your feet or I can leave you alone. Um, so that partner's responsibility to also set boundaries. I so make that. sure that they are not giving too much. Yes. And I, I feel like something you guys said that I'm going to start implementing too is like when I do tell people I can't have space for even, you know, a tough conversation or like an emotional thing that it isn't personal. Cause I feel like that was a piece you just mm-hmm. said that stuck with me that I was like, Oh yeah, shit. We do take everything so fucking personally. That's just human right. nature for totally. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we can't help but take things so personally. And I think it would just make everyone's anxiety chill out a little bit more if that little piece was added. So gosh, guys, I can't believe we've already come to our conclusion, but I know you guys give so many workshops that I definitely want to attend. I want the confidants to attend because there's such good, juicy information there. So tell us where can can confidants find you? What what kind of collect, uh, what kind of um, uh, workshops do you guys give? So we have one uh, coming up in a few weeks. It is a a seven-week-long group Mm -hmm. for uh, sexual trauma survivors. And each week, uh, we will be focusing on building community and reclaiming pleasure, um, learning how to work with our trauma responses, um, you know, healthy sexual communication, reconnecting with your body, all that fun stuff. Um, <laughs> and it is honestly like, it kind of sounds intimidating, but it is really no, that's awesome. And just why we also broke it down into seven weeks because right. it's, it's a lot of information. Yeah. Right. It's hard. <laughs> that's <not day> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, so, and if you miss this one that's coming up in a few weeks, we do also uh, facilitate this one frequently. So make sure that you are following us to stay up to date on uh, workshop announcements. Um, and we are at uh, pleasure underscore collective. 
Yay! Well, Anya like lasagna yeah. and Hannah like banana. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I thank you for all the good work that you are doing. I will definitely have those linked below. Uh, Confidant, so you can definitely check them out. Make awesome. sure to check out Yay. Pleasure Collective. I almost said Pleasure yeah. Collective. I don't know. Maybe that's like a side break for it. you guys. Um, <laughs> maybe that's our that's our like Sasha fears, yeah. right? You know, your pleasure <laughs> or alter yes, ego. Exactly. Uh, just spelled wrong. <laughs> um, Confidant, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow those links below. Subscribe if you're not already, and give this five stars on iTunes because that really helps. And if it's not five stars, please don't give it at all because I am very sensitive. Anya and Hannah, thank you guys so much. Confidant, <laughs> we will see you guys next week. Thanks for having us. Loved loved doing this with you. Bye guys. Bye. Yeah. It's been a pleasure.